back on the fan morning show with Brent Gunning and Ailish Forfar on your baby baby Friday. We're almost there midweek. Raptors rolling. Staying hot with a 106-92 win against the Miami Heat. A big one at home. Standings implications. A little revenge game against Kyle Lowry. Always exciting at Scotiabank Arena. Our Insiders brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online. And in the showroom, visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. It's Aaron Rose, Raptors reporter at Sports Illustrated. How's it going this morning, Aaron? I'm pretty good. It was also a Scotty Barnes versus Scott Foster, a little referee. Uh, <laughs> Scotty, Scotty Barnes uh, revenge game last night. So it fun one at Scotiabank Arena. Tame enough between those two? Did you expect that? <laughs> I think there was there was one foul called that drew our attention, but Scotty Barnes certainly had a revenge game against uh, against the Heat. I suppose a uh, big game from Scotty last night. Right, I think that was our biggest takeaway to start our show too. Was Scotty engaged early? Not just a fourth quarter Scotty, but a first quarter Scotty, which makes a big difference uh, specifically for the Raptors who want to get good starts here down the stretch. He had a career high in assists. Um, just his playmaking looked uh, just a different level of Scotty Barnes last night. Is that the Scott? that we've been missing this season is that the Scotty we will see down the stretch um just I guess you know maybe an emergence of Scotty as of late that's certainly the Scotty the Raptors are hoping for moving forward I think in the past he's had some pretty good games against Miami I think it's sort of the way Miami plays defense they're a little unique a lot of zone and sometimes they're really aggressive um sagging off or double teaming uh, certain players and I think they were really aggressive with Pascal Siakam so that created some looks for guys like Scotty uh, and guys like OG Ananobi but I think and Nick said this last night he said this is a line he always says but I've actually never heard him say it so it was noteworthy <laughs> he said uh, guys like Scotty who want to be pass first guys Sometimes we've seen Scotty so um, not aggressive early in games because he tries to be pass first. But if you want to be pass first, you actually have to score to suck the defense in sort of. And then you can actually be the pass first guy you want to be. So I think we saw that with Scotty, whereas the fourth quarter that he normally has came in the first quarter. And then the rest of the game, he was able to play make for a career high 12 assists. So really, really impressive game for him from him. Yeah, I think the thing that jumped out to me about his playmaking in that game, and you and Nick Nurse both nailed it there, the idea of when you're able to get your own shot off, when you're able to score and be effective, it just forces the defense to look at you in a different way. And then if you are the capable passer that Scotty is, of course he's going to be able to to take advantage of that. But the thing that jumped out to me was just the variety of different types of assists you saw him get. And that just, to me, kind of shows the full vision of what he could one day become. Like you saw him getting it off of pick and rolls. You saw him passing out of the post to find guys. There were quick passes right after he got the ball and he was able to move it quickly. He was able to take his time and read the defense. And it's just seeing a guy who can kind of survey a team that, you know, look, this isn't the heat culture of three or four years ago, but it's still a pretty responsible group defensively. And like you said, they throw a lot of zone at you. It's just, it's really, really encouraging to see and then throw in the fact that, you know, Pascal and OG clicked so well alongside him in that game. And it's kind of the best case scenario for this whole vision six nine thing and I think the other thing is uh, this team doesn't have a lot of spacing and I think we saw that early on last night they, they went 0 for 10 from three-point range early on and they looked really uh, they struggled offensively early so you need a really really good passer and I sort of asked Nick about the chemistry between Pascal Siakam and Scotty Barnes I know going back to draft night people have said you know you can't have Pascal Siakam on this team if Scotty Barnes is the future and I think what makes those two sort of work at times 
and we can still ask that question, can they work in the long term? But I think it's the passing and the high-level passing from the two of them that they can. I remember there was a pass from Siakam. He sort of came in the paint, and even though he was in the paint and Scotty was in the paint, he was able to whiz that pass over the defense because of his height and find Scotty. And Scotty can make that same sort of pass where there, there might not be a lot of spacing, but he's able to whiz it over the defense with his height to find uh, Pascal Siakam. I think he had four maybe assists against uh, – toward uh, Pascal Siakam last night. So uh, that the high-level passing from the two of them makes it work, even though the spacing can be a little clunky at times. Yeah, it certainly can be. And, you know, I think I think this goes without saying that there's plenty of questions to have in regards to a retool or a rebuild this, this summer. But shooting is something every NBA team needs. But, man, I don't know that any team needs it more than this Raptors team. They put a hurting on the rims uh, last night from, from deep. And, yeah, when you have players like Pascal and Scotty and OG, it just they're only going to be better the more spacing you're able to provide them. I do want to ask you about OG. You know, I'm not saying he can't have a better year than he's having right now there is absolutely more for him to show on a kind of night-to-night basis but do you think we're finally seeing the fully formed version of him as he hit his ceiling you know this was a guy who a lot of people had really high hopes for and he had so many injury hiccups early on in his career he wasn't a part of the championship run really because of the appendectomy and the other injuries that he suffered that year do you think we're finally seeing OG really hit his stride as a player and again not to say he can't continue to improve a little bit but it does feel like we're starting to see the kind of fully formed entity that we we always hoped would come along i think i've felt for maybe a little more than a year now that he has sort of hit something close to his ceiling offensively that the dreams of him becoming Kawhi leonard with the pull-up mid-range game and the superstar player are probably unrealistic but if he can stand in the corner and nail threes at a really high level if he can make those pick six plays that he does seemingly on a nightly basis and if he's just sort of a very good sort of important offensive player who can space the floor that we've talked about how much the Raptors need. If he can be that guy. And then on the other end, he can be one of the best defensive players in the league. You know, it doesn't matter if he ever takes another step forward because that's the kind of player. And I think we talked about that at the trade deadline. I suspect we might hear things about that in this summer where every single team is looking for that guy who's a three and D player and who is really, really, really good two-way player and can defend everybody on the court. And Nick was talking about that last night and Pascal was talking about it last night. He thinks OG should be in the conversation for defensive player of the year. I think it probably won't go to him because of the Raptors, um, you know, just being a 500 team, but OG has certainly taken a step forward. And a lot of it, as you said, has to do with health. How impressive has the bench been or some of these auxiliary players like a Chris Boucher, Jeff Down Jr. even over the stretch here that's helped with elevating um, that second wave of the Raptors when the starters need to rest inevitably and it's not this detri- detrimental shift in play which we've seen as of um, you know it's longer stretches in this season where you couldn't even rely on the bench to even hold court for a little bit. Uh, it seems like they've made some progress in terms of just being a, a steady force. A lot of talk lately about Jeff, who mm-hmm. I think maybe has like three or four games left before his uh, contract has to be converted to a standard deal so he can play the final games and play into the playoffs. So I'm not sure how much we'll see him in the playoffs, but he's just such a solid player and somebody the Raptors need to have and, you know, knock on wood in case something happens. But every time his name comes up, Nick always says he's solid. He's not flashy. He's, but he can sort of defend his own, defend his player. And he, we saw him, I think he blocked Tyler Hero with a big one last night. So uh, just a really, really all-around valuable two-way player. 
better defense than Malachi Flynn, more stable offensively than Delano Banton. So I think that's why we're seeing him in the rotation. Uh, Precious Achua also had a really good game last night, and he's been very up and down this season. But encouraging game from him against his former team, talking about revenge games earlier. So I think the Raptors need him back sort of being a valuable contributor to this team because he had such an exciting season, second half of the season last year. And I still think the future is really, really bright for him. It's unfortunate he's been injured and had an up and down year, but I think if he can put something together down the stretch, uh, we should be very optimistic about him for next season. Yeah, and obviously Scotty Barnes is the biggest kind of leap left for this group to take in terms of what he'll become over the next, you know, three, four, five seasons. But it does feel like Achua is maybe of the other pieces of the core, the guy that's still a little bit of an unknown. There's still maybe a world where you can you can kind of see him flourish into a role more consistently like you saw last night. I do just want to go back to the 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 big three from last night, if you will, of, of OG, Pascal, and, and Scotty. And, you know, their defense, obviously, Obviously, is a big, big part of the value they bring to the team. It feels to me like the next step for them is having a game like that and being able to do that while they're asked to do a lot on the defensive end. And not that they weren't a big part of the Raptors' defense last night, but with no Jimmy uh, for for the Heat, you know, you just didn't really see them getting tested that much. You know, Bam's a talented player; Hero can fill it up, but this isn't exactly going against a, a Tatum and a Brown. I think it'll be really interesting to see how they kind of stack up against the Celtics when you're going to see them. They won't be on. On the at home that's always more difficult how do you think those three can kind of handle that Celtics duo that they're going to see on this road trip well I think it's not it's not just the Celtics they've got a lot of really uh, maybe other than the Charlotte game although that Charlotte team seems to be pretty good lately but they're finally going to see a lot of these teams that they might see in the playoffs or these really good teams and I think it's going to be interesting with the switching and uh, Charlotte sorry excuse me uh, Boston plays sort of that same switching versatile defense And I think they're probably not a great matchup for Toronto, but it's going to be interesting to see can OG Ananobi sort of hold his own against Tatum. We've seen him against that kind of player, against Bradley Beal, against Mario Rosen in the past. Uh, Will we see Scotty Barnes against someone like Smart sort of at the point of attack defense? Because I'm not sure that's probably Fred's, not Fred's best position right now defensively. And then uh, Scotty, Pascal Siakam on on Jalen Brown is probably how I anticipate they will match up. And you've got this three-headed, for the Raptors at least, three-headed monster where you can switch multiple positions, sort of take the Celtics out of the pick and roll. It'll be really interesting to see how the Raptors match up and potentially what's going to be a first-round series. Usually at this time of year, we are talking about, oh, we don't want the Raptors to show everything because, you know, it's a big playoff matchup coming up and the Raptors might see the Celtics in the first round of the playoffs. I think right now they just need wins, so they can't hold anything back, uh, hoping that it'll help them down the road in the playoffs. No, you certainly can't take that for granted and assume you're you're going to get there. Uh, looking at a play-in spot, certainly on, on the table for, for this team, of the teams that are kind of in the play-in, who do you think they kind of stack up the best? And is there a team that you think they almost need to avoid at all costs among that group? There, those three teams, uh, the Celtics, the, the Bucks, and the 76ers, are just all so, so, so good right now. It's so hard to pick one that you would say this is the best matchup. I know the Raptors have played the Bucks really, really well in the past, and they certainly have done their job against Giannis Antetokounmpo, but at the same time, 
I probably think the Bucs, at least statistically speaking, and if you ask me, I think they're the best of those three teams. So that's sort of a, the trade-off there. They probably match up against the Bucs the best, but I think the Bucs the best. Uh, so I don't know if you really want to see any of those three teams. I've been looking at how play-in teams have done in the past, and there have been nine play-in teams that have made the playoffs. The furthest any of them have ever gotten is game six. <laughs> so if the Raptors can get to game six, I guess that's relatively speaking a success for the season. I think if we had said that at the beginning of the year, people probably would have been disappointed. But at this point, uh, I guess expectations have come down a little bit and sort of game six is as far as anyone has gotten. Nobody has ever made it out of the first round. Uh, so that's probably all you can ask for against any of those teams that uh, top the East. No, no, sorry. Just looking at the, the play-in teams there. Obviously, we saw them against the Heat last night. Hawks in play as well. Bulls are in the mix there. I mean, you, you have to... I like their chances against any of those teams, but just looking at it, I mean, you know, the Heat, they were without Jimmy Butler last night. Obviously, he could change some things. And, you know, Trey Young is a guy that could potentially just fill it up in, in a one-game elimination. That's a pretty, pretty scary thing. So how do you think the Raps kind of potentially stack up against the Bulls or the Hawks or the Heat there? Sure. So, so the one team that they probably want to see is the one you didn't mention, which is the Brooklyn Nets. And I think there's a chance that the Raptors jump to the eighth seed. Uh, last night probably didn't do the Raptors favors, beating uh, Miami so that they fall lower in the standings, uh, you know, further away from Brooklyn. But I think it's possible that they do see Brooklyn in the first, uh, in the sort of that first, what is it, a seven, eight play-in game. So that would be the ideal matchup. Uh, Toronto on the road in the first game against Brooklyn. After that, It's all really difficult. I'd say you probably want to see Chicago. The Chicago, somehow Pat Bev has turned their season around lately. You know, all of those guys have guys that are scary. Trey Young has had an up-and-down year. The the Hawks have been disappointing this season, but we all know that Trey Young can, you know, drop 30, drop 40 on any given night, and that's a scary team. Uh, You know, could you see DeMar DeRozan coming to Toronto and ending their season? That would be scary. And Jimmy Butler puts puts up playoff buckets, you know, every season. So all three of those teams are really, really scary teams. I'd say I'd probably lean, you know, Chicago or Atlanta of those two, just because I think Miami is the best of those three. I know the Raptors beat them last night, but as you mentioned, that was without Jimmy Butler. But ideally, I think you want to play the Nets, and then you just take care of that 7-8 game, and you go on to the playoffs and probably play Boston. We're chatting with Aaron Rose, Raptors reporter at Sports Illustrated. Is there something league-wide right now that's holding your attention, whether that's a playoff push, whether that's a trophy award race uh, that's happening or not happening with the MVPs deciding not to match up against each other last week, but something that's keeping your attention outside the Toronto market? If if I could stay up later, it would probably be what's going on in the West. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've talked about that a lot lately, you know, with the Raptors, what the value of the playing tournament has been to the NBA. And I think... I think what the NBA is seeing right now is probably making them smile. It's a lot more ratings. It's better ratings. They've got LeBron in the hunt. They've got Luka Doncic in the hunt. So I think it's probably what's going on in the Western Conference with so many teams stacked up between whatever it is, fourth, I think Phoenix is in fourth, and then all the way down to 11th where you have Dallas. And then the other thing is what's going on in Dallas. And uh, is, is, there, is there trouble with Luka Doncic? And what does that mean? The off-the-court drama in the NBA is always so entertaining. And I think this summer, I'm not saying Luka is going to be demand a trade or anything, but those kind of things you're going to hear about Luka Doncic being unhappy if Dallas doesn't make the playoffs. And what comes next is always a really interesting question. So uh, that whole conference probably right now is pretty exciting, but specifically the Dallas Mavericks because that team just seems to be a real mess right now.
Dallas has been a mess before, but I, for one, and I want to be clear, I'm being super sarcastic, am shocked that bringing in Kyrie Irving did not (laughs) fix everything. I am floored by that. Uh, Aaron, you know, we talk about the big picture stories in the NBA, and, you know, it's been this way for a couple of seasons now, the lack of a juggernaut. We all remember the Warriors run and the dynasty Mm. and LeBron effectively having a de facto trip to the finals booked before the season even started. What do you think is better for the league? And maybe the answer is for it to just fluctuate between these two things, because I can make the case that I, despite hating it in the moment, I certainly liked having a villain to cheer against in the Golden State Warriors, or maybe you loved them and they were the the Golden Boys for you. But do you think the league is better off with this more parody where you really could talk yourself into four or five, maybe six teams winning a title versus what we seem to have through the kind of early 2010s-ish where it was a de facto, okay, LeBron versus the Warriors every single year? Yeah, it certainly feels like there's more parody. And, and I can decide toward more parity, but you're right when it comes to you know, the Tom Brady's of the world or the LeBron James of the world that sometimes at the end of the day, people just like seeing those big names that they've seen for years. That being said, you know, I'm not counting out the Golden State Warriors as a team who can do it in the playoffs. So we might think there's parity now, but when it's all said and done, it might be Steph Curry hoisting the championship at the end of the year, or frankly, it might be Giannis on the other side hoisting the championship. So it's fun in the regular season to feel like, wow, there is a lot of parity. And you're right. It feels that way. We were just talking about the West. Um, but at the end of the season, I could totally see Giannis going wire to wire and winning this thing. If you told me Steph Curry, you know, once again, did it again, I wouldn't be shocked. And there are some new teams. I think Sacramento has been a really fun team this season. I think, you know, the addition of Kevin Durant and and Phoenix makes them a really interesting team if they can ever get healthy and put it together. You know, I'd love to see Jokic and Jamal Murray win a championship, but uh, I also wouldn't be surprised if it was some of the names we've seen in the past. Um, last one for you, Aaron. Obviously, last night we had Kyle Lowry returning to the Toronto market. I know there's excitement. He's obviously given hugs out. He loves the media, and I'm sure he's, he thinks highly of his time here and you know respects the, the way that the crowd still brings him some love and appreciation. What are your Lowry legacy you know, defining moments or thoughts when you see him come back to Toronto, obviously with a little bit of a different uh, career going on here now with the Miami Heat coming off the bench dealing with some injury. But when you get to think back on Kyle Lowry and what he meant to this Raptors team, where do you start? Well, I think I go to what Pascal Siakam said last night. And if my memory serves me, I think he called him, he's my beloved, I'm his beloved or something. It was very, very romantic. But they were, he was saying that, he meant everything Goals. to him, and that was that was Pascal's guy. And I think we thought about you know the Demar Derozan Kyle Lowry relationship being Demar's the fun, relaxed guy, and Kyle's the um, tough guy to deal with. But Pascal sort of said like, yes, that was sort of the dynamic. But Kyle was not nearly as tough as people made him out to be, and he always wanted everyone to be there for dinner. He was probably picking up the tabs on most nights. So I think behind the scenes, I know Kyle likes to show off this image that he's the tough guy and he hates the media and he's not nice to anyone. But I think behind the scenes, he was he meant a lot to these guys. Um, and I think we heard a little bit about that from Pascal last night. Yeah, you, you certainly did. And I think, I think it was a 
we always talk about this with any player who has a hold on a franchise on a locker room like Lowry did. It's always tough to say goodbye. And, you know, it felt like the Raptors found the right time to walk away. But if Kyle Lowry was still here and even, you know, it was never going to work salary wise, role wise. But let's say he wanted to ride off into the sunset with the Raptors. You wouldn't see Pascal be able to grow into the role he's taking with this team. You know, maybe Fred would be able to because they kind of coexisted a, a little more. But even Scotty, there wouldn't be room for him to be the kind of presence that he is on this group. So, you know, obviously always a, a little sad to see a guy like that walk away, but it's or, or not walk away, but, you know, find mm-hmm. a new home in Miami. But it does feel like it's so important for the growth of the kind of, you know, a mid-career player like Pascal Siakam and the really young guys like Scotty. Fred talked about that two years ago at Media Day, saying that it, there was there was not really a chemistry issue or a, an issue off the court or anything between Kyle and Pascal, but it sort of was as you mentioned. Kyle had the hold on the on the fan base, had the hold on the franchise, and he wouldn't. Being Kyle, he wasn't just going to give up sort of the number one guy spot, and that wasn't a chemistry issue. As I said, it was more just a aura issue, and I think he needed. Pascal needed uh, Kyle to sort of go on, move on to a new franchise for him to step into that void and flourish the way we've seen him and the way we've seen Fred. So as you mentioned, I think it was, it was perfect timing for this organization. You know, Kyle's had some struggles over the past two years. So I think that probably has made it even easier for the Raptors to look back and say, they made the right move, but uh, it certainly has helped this organization move on to a new era with Fred, Pascal, and eventually Scotty Barnes is sort of the cornerstone pieces of this franchise. Aaron, last one for you here before I let you go. Uh, Raptors about to go on the final stretch of their regular season. What's the, not acceptable, what's the projected record for their next six games? Five on the road, one at home. We mentioned you got the Celtics, the Sixers, and the Bucks all mixed in there. They have to be one better than the Atlanta Hawks. All right, that's easy enough. <laughs> We can do that. Uh, we could. I, I don't know what the strength of their schedule is, but the Raptors uh, don't have an easy one, so they got to dig deep here down the stretch. Appreciate you joining us this morning. We'll chat um, after maybe this little stretch and see where we're at. For sure. Looking forward to it. Thanks, Aaron. Aaron Rose, Raptors reporter at Sports Illustrated, and our insider brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online. And in the showroom, visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. Would you like the Hawks schedule? Yes, I would love the Hawks schedule. They have. Friday, the Nets, okay. the Mavericks, oh. the Bulls, the Wizards, the 76ers, and the Celtics. So if it comes down to the last two games, now we talked about this, resting guys, getting ready, all that stuff could be in play. So maybe it's not the 76ers and the Celtics we necessarily think about, but that's really interesting with the Bulls and the Nets in there as well. Mm-hmm. A couple other play-in teams. Obviously, the Raptors have the tougher trip. We've laid out what they have uh, ahead of them there, but it's not exactly a cupcake walk for... Because uh, even even the Mavs, they're a team that's struggling, but I don't know. You want it, You want to have a must-win game against Luka Doncic? Me, personally... I do not want that. No, I, I'd like to pass yes. on that. <laughs> um, all right, we'll go one game at a time, but the Raptors embarking on an important stretch here on the road. That starts Friday against the 76ers, um, and then they've got uh, Hornets and Co. Following that, you got your uh, your Maple Leafs, sorry, back in action tonight against the Florida Panthers. They are looking to continue to find something tangible out of these next games they've got single digits left after clinching a playoff spot somebody that's uh, worn the jersey and is a loved love love former maple leaf is going to join us on the other side of the break dave tiger williams two-time 30 goal scorer of course is going to be a celebrity guest at 
tonight's 72nd edition of the Rogers Consmyth Sports Celebrities Dinner and Auction in support of Easter Seals Ontario. He's at the head celebrity table with the former Maple Leaf as well, Rick Five. Let's chat about those two who shared the jersey number 22. Is he who's, who's the best 22 of all time? <laughs> Big opinions and in-depth conversations covering the Leafs, Jays, Raptors, and the NFL. The J.D. Bunkins Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Home stretch here of the middle day of the week. Hump day. Fan morning show, Brent Gunning, Alish for far here. I'm here for the rest of the week. Justin Cuthbert back on Monday. Very, very pleased to be joined now. Batting cleanup. <laughs> it's a baseball term, and he's a hockey guy. Dave Tiger Williams, former NHLer, two-time 30-goal scorer. He's going to be at the head table tonight at the Rogers Consmite Dinner. Tiger, thanks so much for taking the time. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing great, and good morning. So we we got to ask you. You know, you're a guy who you've you've been you've you've been in the city. You know the market. You've been on teams that have that have uh, made made runs before. What is it like in this city? You know, we've been we've been sitting here watching the lease for so long, and they've been up against it. And you have high hopes, and they lose in the first round. What is it like being part of a Leafs team when the city is is behind you guys, and you're feeling that support? Like we always hear how special it is to be a Leaf. You're a guy who did it. How special is it to be a Leaf? Well, I mean, I played on uh, four other cities other than Toronto, and there's nothing like the all the other four put together. There's nothing like the fans <laughs> in, in this town and, and and in this province. And Leaf fans everywhere across the country or wherever they are, uh, it, they're a special group. Uh, the only other team that maybe be close to them would be the guys in Montreal, the fans in Montreal, um, and it's it it is a big deal. Um, you know, it, it makes some players better and some players worse. It depends how you deal with it. Speaking of Montreal Canadiens, I know you've probably seen this already, but Michael Pizzetta just did your iconic Sally, you know the one, ride the stick down the ice after winning a shootout. Um, obviously, the Canadians haven't had too much to celebrate, but did they ever? What do you think about someone taking your, uh, your little uh, ride the stick for a spin? Well, I, you know, it's it's, it's good. Uh, I should have given him a lesson before he did it. He wasn't really good at it. Yeah, what, what's I mean, the scouting it, report? I break that down. Yeah, Where could no, he have been it, better? It, was, it wasn't very good. But anyway, he wasn't low enough in his stick. But anyway, <laughs> um, you know, uh, good for him. Good for have some emotion uh, um, in the game. And uh, that's what it's all about. And uh, sometimes there's not much. So it's... it's to me, it, it was a good deal, and uh, uh, he owes me a pizza for doing it. That's my uh, royalty on that deal. And uh, so I'll, I will meet meet up with him someday and get a new pizza. There you go. Uh, happy happy to hear that, and uh, good for you. You should be collecting royalties on yeah. that. What's the backstory behind it? Do you remember the first time you did it? Was it something you cooked up? Were the boys egging you on to do it? What, what's the backstory behind it? There is no backstory behind it at all. It was my at all. It was my first game back in, in Toronto after being traded uh, to Vancouver. There was never no thought process, no nothing. It just friggin' happened. And that's the way that's the way sports are supposed to be. It's supposed to be spontaneous and just happen and that's exactly what happened. I never I don't know why I did it, but <laughs> it was uh it, it just happened and uh uh I think I was 
probably that little guy in your head that's being a little spiteful hmm. probably was trying to sh- shove it down the manager's ass. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, it it's just the way it's supposed to be. It just come out of the blue. Uh, we've got iconic celebrations all day long. We had Jose Bautista on before you with his iconic uh, bat flip. We've got you and your celly. I know you just you just tipped into it, but sports are supposed to be fun, right? Did we lose a little bit of the joy at times with just enjoying the moment, especially if you're a kid, like growing up watching these sports? Like sometimes it's not as serious. You can really lean into ride the stick down the ice, flip the bat however you want, and, and just enjoy the moment. Yeah, you know, the funniest thing, though, is usually those moments, like uh, the bat flip in my thing, is usually because you're going to win the game or it's a game-winning goal, and uh, it's the other team don't like it at all. So it's either really, really good or not so good at all. And that's just the way sports is because at the end of the day, it's about winning. And when you do something and you win, then it's a great deal. You know, you can say I'm inspired by teammates and all this crap. You can say whatever you want. But the other team don't like it one bit. And and that's just the way that's the way the sporting world works, you know. So at one moment you make your you know, the best part of that whole photograph that was taken by Greg Abel that that caught that moment that I was involved in, the best part of that whole picture is not the guy riding the stick. Is my teammates bent over the boards, <laughs> and their heads are they're touching the ice in laughter. That's the best part of that whole moment. So, for that moment for me was about those other, you know, eighteen guys standing on that bench, you know, and uh, you know, and it, it's good. And all, all of us that were in the, involved in that game, whether we were the coach or the management or whoever, and the fans back in Vancouver, that was their moment. So good for them. That's really interesting, and we always talk about the idea of types of players that can kind of pull pull guys into the fight or energize their teammates, and, you know, obviously you were able to do it a couple of different ways. You mentioned how much your teammates love that moment, not only throughout a long regular season, and, you know, I understand you wouldn't be riding the stick in a, in a playoff game. I don't think. Maybe you would. Uh, feel free to correct me if I'm <laughs> wrong, but it feels really important for teams to have guys who can provide that spark, provide that energy, be it with a laugh on the bench, be it with a big energetic shift how important is it to have those every great team needs to have great players and star players but how important is it to have those kind of spark plug guys that can be that boost of energy be it through a long regular season or at a big moment in the playoffs well it certainly helps during the during the the regular season and then you know even even you get the seven you know if you go seven games in the playoffs that's that's like 21 games in the regular season, in my opinion. But all, 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 those, all those things matter about uh, players got to bring something to the table that nobody else on their team has in their bag. That's your friggin' job. And it's very important that you, you know that and you have to pick your spot sometimes and it's got to happen because that's what you get paid for. Uh, at, at the end of the day, the reason they call you professional is because you're getting paid. And it's about winning. And it's only about winning. And if you're not winning, you've got to change what you're doing to figure out how do you win. How do you win the enchilada? Which 
the Stanley Cup might be the hardest trophy to get, in my opinion, in North America. Uh, but you got to you got to suck it up, and you got to do something special at at special moments. And good players do it on a regular basis. But everybody's got to contribute to that thinking process. We've got Dave Tiger Williams, former NHLer, on the line. Um, you're a guy that's known to be in the penalty box a few times. Uh, just you know, a couple trips to the sin bin. Um, do we overuse toughness as a indicator of a playoff team's success? We always talk about this with the Maple Leafs. Are they tough enough? Do they add the grit that's going to get them through the first round, the second round, and to ultimately the Stanley Cup final? Is that something that is a real tangible thing that you need as a Stanley Cup contender? Absolutely 100%. If you do not have grit in your lineup, you are not going to win any series, no matter how good your top two lines are or whatever, or how many guys you got in your, you know, let's think about some of the greatest teams, you know, whether you're talking about Montreal in the 70s or the Oilers in in the 80s or the Islanders, you know, in their run, the end of the 70s, early 80s. They all had grit in their lineup. They could deal with any situation at any time, and it it works. It has to be in the friggin' lineup. And management, if they're not that smart, they shouldn't have a job for more than a week. You've got to have that grit, that toughness, whatever word you want to say, and it's got to be consistent, and it's got to be delivered consistently by those guys that have that frame of mind because most really high talented guys don't that's not their game that's not not the way they think but they need that guy they need that old grit boy and the more grit he's got the more sandpaper he has that's that's what's going to make you win without it you'll never friggin win and if anybody doesn't believe that they're a moron There are a lot of people driving in their cars right now just fist pumping. Preach, Tiger. Yes, it's what I've said all along. Uh, A lot of people, a lot of people uh, agreeing with you. You talk about grit. You talk about toughness and all those things are important. I wholly echo everything you're saying there. I've got to ask you about maybe one of, if not the most iconic night in franchise history, Daryl Sittler's 10-point game. You were on the team. I've seen guys have big nights. I've never seen anybody score 10 points, let alone be on the bench uh, and on the ice with them for parts of it. Uh, what was it like that that night seeing, seeing Sittler go off? Well, I mean, it, <laughs> the funniest thing, it, here's a guy who's left wingers on, on that line, and I end up minus two, and he gets 10 points. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, talk about getting dealt a bad card. Tough night. Anyway, you know what's funny? I'm sitting in his house right now. Oh, as, say hello. As we, <laughs> as we speak, I'm sitting here right now uh, with the big dog. But, you know, it, it's amazing. Put a speakerphone that, on. Let's get him on. <laughs> oh, no, he, you know, he, uh, what do you, um, you know, you think about Gretzky and Lemieux and whoever else, you know, and they're, you know, I mean, they're 50 of those really top, top, top end guys that never even really come close to doing that. It's pretty friggin' amazing. And, uh, um, and you know, as, when you're done playing, those moments or those games never leave your mind 24-7. They're just right there. And you could, you could think about every goal. Yes, when you, when you get that many points and that many goals, you, 
you know, you got to have puck luck that night. And good things happen to good people. That's just the way the world is supposed to work, and it does work. And he was always a good man. He was a great teammate, a great captain. And that's good. That's good for him. Uh, uh, probably a guy like me is not supposed to have that kind of a record. You know, <laughs> you know, it, 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 it doesn't fit who we are. But for him, it fits him perfect. Don't sell yourself short. Uh, you're good people, too. You're a celebrity guest tonight at the uh, the Rogers Collins Smythe dinner. I'm sure you guys are looking forward to it. Rick Vive up there as well. I'm, I'm sure you'll have some good stories between your times, uh, both of you different times on the Leafs as well, both wearing number 22. The legend of that jersey lives on. Um, appreciate you coming on this morning. It was a blast. Uh, say hi to everyone. Enjoy your night. Yeah, don't forget, Gabby Boudreau is going to be there tonight, too. Oh, what I'm a really blast. Lucky. I'm looking forward to seeing my little buddy, Gabby. <laughs> well, have a blast, and thanks so much for taking the time okay. this morning. Well, you're welcome, and thank you. Thanks for the call, and have a great day. You as and well. To everybody out there, cheer hard. That's what it's about. All Love right. That. Cheer hard, baby. Let's go. Dave Tiger Williams, former NHL forward, and an absolute beauty. That was, a, that was what? You saw me yes. fist pumping over here. I like to say friggin'. <laughs> it sure does. That's <laughs> <laughs> better than the alternative. Yes, very much so. We appreciate his uh, his editing because I do have a feeling there's another word he would have liked to yeah, have said. It's all good. Uh, yeah, tonight's 72nd edition of the Rogers Consumite Dinner. There's going to be some pretty big names up there, um, including... Yours truly. No, we're not going no. this time. <laughs> My boy, Gord Stellick, will be <laughs> yes, there. Yes, good. We'll have, some, we'll have some 590 squad there. there. We'll yeah. have uh, our Rogers team. We're not... We're not headed over there this time around. We we got our fill last year. Got to work. We got a big day tomorrow. It's opening day for the MLB. Of course, Panthers and Maple Leafs tonight. Uh, we got to do our Fan X Cup preview for the Valero Texas Open. Let's start with that, though, because um, Justin needs your help. Called you, in a ringer. You are the guy to do this. So I'm a little worried, but I'm going to give you first pick. So the Fan X Cup, uh, how it works is two picks uh, each from uh, the, the the favorites, the 25 to 50, the one, then the 50 plus, and then a Canadian. So we're going to end up with five selections on our little team, and winner gets that payout. So I'm up 1,000 to zero. Good job for you. I will uh, I'll start with, and again, uh, I, I want to be clear, I only want credit. I will not take any blame no if this blows up in my face. That's the way to live. So yeah, if you're Leafs guest stiff you on Monday, don't come a calling because I don't want to eat this if it uh, if it doesn't <laughs> if it doesn't go well. Uh, Twenty five to one range, a lot of guys in that mix. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, all the names you've heard of up there. I'm going to go Hideki Matsuyama, Masters champ. He's done it before. This is his time of year to peak. He is a guy who is probably the best player in the field this week, and he doesn't have the shortest odds. So I'm going to go with him. Twenty five to one. Um, all right. I'm also not going with the shortest odds. Um, I'm going to go with uh, 20 to 1, uh, Siwoo Kim. Mm. Um, I really like uh, what he's done as of late. He's uh, five straight cuts here, one of them in the top five. Uh, he's one of the you know the most talked about this time. This field is obviously it's not uh, the most prolific as well. But um, I, I'm going to go with I, – he came off a strong effort at the uh, the match play as well, 2-1-0 record, and he's a winner already this season. So I'm going to go with him. Is my first pick. I like that there. Uh, looking at the 25 to 50 range, I'm going to go. Well, you get one more in the top. Oh, I yeah, do. Sorry. Oh, I yeah. do. You I get, get two, two in the top. Oh, okay. I this know. is easy wow. then. Uh, not a guy I like to root for. Uh, I see him on TV way, way too mm-hmm. often. Be a good storybook for Ricky That's Fowler it. to win the tournament and get himself into the Masters. It's his last ditch chance to do it. He could only do it with a win. 
Give me Ricky Fowler. That's a pretty good one. Um, that was going to be my next one as well. Hey, anyone to qualify for the Masters has always got a little something to prove. Well, I might as well just take who's top odds. Let's just do this. Tyrrell Hatton. Yeah. Nice pick. I'll take Tyrrell Hatton. He's a snap show too. Fun yeah. to root for. Yeah. Uh, might as well. You, someone's got to take top picks. So uh, there you go. Um, there's our top two. Now you get from 25 to 50. Give me Alex Norin, a Swede. Wow. He played his college golf in Oklahoma, and you need to know how to play in the wind to That's win true. the Valero Texas Open. He's had some good form on similar courses as of late. Strokes game putting is up good. I can give you more nerd numbers, but I won't I won't cause people to have narcolepsy in the morning. <laughs> so I will stick with Alex Norin. Uh, give me him there, and uh, he is at 40 to 1. Okay, um, I'm going with someone I've read a lot about this week. I take a lot of uh, in- intelligence from the internet here. Uh, Chris Kirk. So he Great won pick. a PJ National. He's already into the Masters, but he's played well here since 2015. He's got two, uh, three top tens, I believe. Um, he's 28 to one. So sneaking that one in there a little bit, but uh, it counts. So let's do it. Chris Kirk. I very much like that pick. He has good shoe game. Usually oh. wearing some Air Maxes out there. So a lot to see, like. That's important things for me to know as well. Well, see, this is what I'm here for. You know, I can <laughs> give you. you hard numbers. And I can also tell you guys got good shoe game. I'm basically the <laughs> NHL player pool. I, I, I can do uh, both ends of the, of the spectrum. Uh, in the 50 to one, I'm uh, going to go with a golf hipster pick. It's 70 to one here. Give me Eric Cole. This wow. is a guy who uh, has kind of come out of nowhere, had a really nice showing at the Arnold Palmer a couple weeks ago. He's got a lot of game. Uh, this is a bit of a feeler pick, uh, not because of the course, but just because of recent form. Give me Eric Cole. And uh, and he reminds me of Hurricanes legend. Eric I was going to say, I haven't they heard that name nothing before. Alike. Um, okay, so if we're going, this is 50 and higher. Am I right? Correct. Um, And then we get a Canadian. Yes. I'm trying to find his name here. Uh, where's Shank, my buddy? Oh, uh, Shank. I just saw him. Let I, me, uh, oh, he's 60, oh yeah, 60 to 1. So I'm going to take him. I'm surprised it's... Uh, worst ever golf name. Yeah, but you know what? What his nickname is? Bunker. And that's my dog. For your dog. Um, all right. So I'm surprised they're that... Guy has a terrible golf name and he picked a right. worst nickname Shank. somehow. Yeah, but I'm going to go with Shank. Um, runner up at the Valspar Championship, obviously. And he posted top 10 here at this tournament in 2019. Um, and for looking for some value, uh, I think that he's he looked good recently. So for looking for something, Adam Shank for me. Love that. Uh, for my Canadian, going to go Nick Taylor. It's a yeah, guy who battled Scheffler at the Waste Management a couple of weeks ago, had a top 10 recently uh, in the Masters field already. Really, really like what you've seen out of him. And uh, it's just a guy who has a ton of game. And uh, also, you know, we love to look for a mm-hmm. little value. So uh, not the shortest odds of the Canadian. Give me Nick Taylor. It's funny because I'm not going to take the top Canadian either, Corey Connors. I'm going to move off to uh, Taylor Prendrick. Taylor Pendrith. Smashes uh, it. Yeah, fan of the show, too. We had him on before. Um, he's 66 to 1, and uh, I think he had a pretty good showing at, what was it, the players? Mm-hmm. Um, so, recent enough for me. All right. Like let's Pendy. go through who we have just one more time. I'll write that in the doc. Um, you go first. Uh, Matsuyama and Fowler for the first group. Mm-hmm. Alex Norin for the second. Right. And then Eric Cole and the long shots. Nick Taylor, my Canadian. I love that. Um, so, I've got... Uh, Hatton at plus 1,200, right? Yep. Uh, Siwoo Kim at 2,000. Chris Kirk at 2,800. Adam Shank at 6,000. And I think Taylor Pendrith was 66 to 1. Sounds about right. All right. Well, <laughs> we'll see. It's a fun It's a fun field because it's really random. Uh, but some of these guys have something to play for with the Masters on the other side of the weekend. Uh, we're excited to tee that up as well. You'll be talking lots of golf in yes. your world. So 
We got to hurry up here with the wake and rake because we have five minutes. So um, where are you going tonight? That's my question. Leafs Panthers, Austin Matthews, over four and a half shots. I wanted any time goal, but that feels greedy. He had 15 of them against the Hurricanes. It's crazy. He can he can get five against the Panthers. I think uh, that is minus one fifteen. Don't love going with a minus number, but feels too good. So let's go. That's Matthews not bad. over shots minus one fifteen at four and a half. He's been doing it uh, pretty recently, so I like it. Um, all right, let's go through some picks first, and then I'll give mine to, to Tita up here. So um, he's Ian's liking Bridges over twenty four and a half points and Kessler over three blocks. That's a pretty basic one that we get all the time and it hits. Corey from Port Hope says Colorado over Minnesota in regulation. That's a good one. We've got uh it's a long text here. Uh Boston to win money oh Leafs money line so this is my buddy uh, Steve from Sutton we've got Eric Leafs in regulation as well we might even just do a, a, a Leafs parlay that could be something fun um, Alcaraz minus three and a half games that's Neil in Newfoundland he loves his tennis picks um, we've got Giannis under points tonight. Ooh, Bucks go up early and then sit him. That's an interesting one. Uh, we've got Lakers tonight on the money line. We've got Bulls uh, first game back on the road trip, so they're not liking that. Fade that. Um, and then AD over points and rebounds. This is a long text in from Uncle Joel. And then good morning, Alish and Brent. We've got Leafs on the money line as well. And Jess Pagula to win the Miami Open. That's Ron and Jules. Okay, I feel like we should just go heavy on the Leafs. Oh, we got Mikhail Bridges over points too. That's from those two. Sorry, it's hard to navigate all that with just one minute Just go big left. Leafs. Just go big Leafs. Leafs in regulation. Okay, Leafs in regulation. Yeah, why don't we just do a one, way, a one game parlay, single game parlay here. How about the over? I like the over okay. tonight. Wait, who's starting in that for Panthers? I do not know. Uh, I don't think it'll be Alex Lyon. They saw him last time. Or no, they saw no, Bob I last they night. Saw they did see Bob. They were supposed it's to Barofsky see Barofsky versus Samsonov for sure tonight. I just looked it up. Um, so I, I want the over six and a half. I want the Leafs in regulation. And, and uh, what was it? Matthews over shots. What do you think of that? I like it. Okay. Let's get that going. I'll load it up here. And yours was at minus 115, right? Correct. All right, our parlay then. Same game, Leafs parlay, just to keep things spicy because that's where all eyes are tonight. Um, over six and a half in the game, regulation win for the Maple Leafs. So that's the three-way money line. And then Austin Matthews over four and a half shots. Our parlay is plus 470 today. Might jump on that. I like it a lot. Um, it's your baby, baby Friday. We had a bunch of texts in about Leafs stuff, so let's just do that. You know what? Appreciate everyone. We didn't have so much time to go through them all, but... Nonetheless, there's your same game parlay, and that's plus 470. I'd also like to say happy birthday to my mom. There you go. It's her birthday today. Wonderful woman. I love you very much. Thank you for being the best mom in the world. I hope you have a wonderful day. Happy, happy birthday. I would also like to say happy birthday to your mom. So there you go. Sophia, she's a wonderful woman. She deserves a big round of applause for her birthday. Thank you for pressing that button. Yes, to Sophie. Yay, mom. Happy birthday. For that one. Yes, happy birthday, Mom. Um, all right, Maple Leafs and Panthers. Maybe we'll get her a win. <laughs> there That'd you go, nice. Mom. And then I'll buy her a gift with the money I win in the Wake and Rake. Perfect. It's all it's all coming up, Sophia and Ava. That's good. So 7.30 p.m., Leafs and Panthers. Gunner's back tomorrow. 
Um, goodness, it's opening day tomorrow. Do you feel the vibe? You feel the energy? Honestly, yet? no, because oh, it's on. no because this because they're they have the road trip to start everything mm. off, and they're not here. And I think there's so much excitement around how the stadium is going to look That's and true. feel. So, wholly excited for opening day will be awesome. But because it's I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm in the minority on this. <laughs> I feel like I'm really waiting for the home opener. We'll be excited. Sure. Manoa's on the bump. It's going to be awesome. But just can't wait till they get here. And a four o'clock game tomorrow, so you don't have to wait all night. You can watch it at four p.m. and just like get I, off work early. I love everyone, some day baseball. Yeah, we'll, we'll be off work. We'll be waiting. I can't, cannot wait. Well, to we'll see be working because that's our job. We it's always true. have to remind people. We're always that. working. <laughs> We never get to enjoy sports just, just in like the salt a fan. mines. Just in the salt mines, grinding away in the take chamber. Um, I believe we might be having a call-in segment of the show tomorrow. So we will be taking your calls to tee up opening day. So get ready. I believe we're going to do that around the 730 range tomorrow morning. So get excited. Get your phones charged up. You get to call in and chat with us. Gin up those takes. Yes. Get get ready. We're going to ask you what your, uh, what's a successful season for the Toronto Blue Jays, what you're most looking forward to. Maybe some of those superlatives that we did at the beginning of the show. Who's going to be your MVP? Who's going to be your unsung hero? We'll take your calls tomorrow. So we're excited for that. Get an opportunity to hear Blue Jays fans live on the air with us tomorrow so warm it up folks write down your notes we'll get to as many as we can that's tomorrow baby friday opening day that's it though no maple leafs no raptors tomorrow we're all eyes on the toronto blue jays but we'll break down the panthers and the maple leafs tomorrow morning and gunner will be back on your baby friday we'll see you then